Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. This is not Joe McClain, this is Adrian Fonseca here today because today is a special day. We are not in studio. We are having a pre-recorded show today. We, Joe and I are off on retreat. So we're in Midland, Texas. I, uh, we know it's, we're having our annual retreat. So it's a time of rest and relaxation. So right now, while you're listening to this, hopefully Joe and I are still tucked away in bed, sleeping it off, getting that little couple extra hours of sleep. Praise be to God. But do not fear. Be not afraid, because today we still have unique content for you, our listener. Today we have an interview with Gabriel Castillo from Gabi After Hours, and today he's going to be talking about the uh, parenting from a Catholic perspective. How do we raise good Catholic children? How do you discipline children as a Catholic? And this, these are great questions. These are great answers that are given by Gabriel Castillo. And you're not going to want to miss that because it is excellent. But don't worry. This Friday, we'll actually be back live in studio. So don't go anywhere. This Friday, we will be back in studio, same time, same place. But for today and tomorrow, we'll still have a pre-recorded show. So don't worry. Uh, it's all new, unique content. No uh, reruns for today. Th- this week, is not. we're not playing a best of show. It is brand new content uh, from uh, my lips and Joe's lips to God's ears and to your ears. Praise be to God. Okay, so this is how the show is going to run today. We're going to go into uh, pray, prayer memorare. We're going to go into say the day, gospel of the day. We'll have a longer uh, gospel reflection. And then from there, the rest of the show for this time and then next hour will be the interview with Gabriel Castillo on raising Catholic families. And uh, during the next hour, we will repeat this segment in the beginning. We'll have this Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day again, as usual. And then we'll finish out whatever is left of the interview with Gabi after hours, Gabriel Castillo. And uh, that will be on True Faith TV, uh, True Faith Talks, and Gabi after hours. He has three channels. I know. Very clear. It's excellent. But... Well, before we, uh, without further ado, let's uh, jump into the Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. There's going to be no breaking news today, so no breaking news. The segment's uh, gone for this week. We'll be back on Friday with breaking news. And uh, next Friday, there'll be a game show. This Today, there is no game show. So no game show this week. Don't call in during the uh, during the 7 o'clock hour. Don't call in because we are not giving away a prize today. It is a pre-recorded show, so no one's here to answer the phones. But next week, starting Monday, we will again have the game show. So be ready across the Guadalupe Radio Network to uh, play the game or tune in online on Catholic uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And uh, good morning to everybody on Station of the Cross as well, because uh, we are broadcasting across the Guadalupe Radio Network and the uh, Station of the Cross. So praise be to God. Thank you very much, Station of the Cross, for tuning in. Without further ado, uh, I keep saying that, but I keep having more uh, announcements to make. But this time, without further ado, we are going to go into the Say of the Day and Gospel of the Day uh, after we say our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. 
Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgin, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And no breaking news of the day, but we will go straight into Saint of the Day. The Saint of the Day is Blessed Jordan of Pisa, OP, meaning Dominican. He was born in 1255, Blessed Jordan of Pisa. He was a Dominican friar, theologian, professor, and renowned preacher. He was the founder of the Confraternity of the Holy Redeemer at Pisa. He was a visionary, a Marian devotee, a promoter and daring innovator of the vernacular Italian language as a church language, and a tool for evangelization. He was born in Pisa, Italy, and died on the 19th of August in 1311 at Pianza of Natural Causes. He was at a time when scholars believed that no colloquial tongue could ever replace Latin as a gentleman's language. Jordan Jordan worked to make Italian the beautiful tongue that it is today. Jordan attended the University of Paris, where he first encountered the Dominican friars in 1276. Four years later, probably after obtaining his degrees, he returned to Italy and took the habit. He began a long teaching career there as soon as he was qualified to do so. He preached and taught variously at Siena, Vitorbo, and Perugoia, before eventually moving to Florence, in which area he was a widely respected preacher. Eventually being appointed by the provincial chapter at Riti as a lector in the church of Santa Maria Novella in 1305. He held that post of the, for the next three years and contributed greatly to its esteem. In 1301, he attended a general meeting of the order in Cologne, Germany. He seemed to have been fascinated with the whole question of preaching as an apostolic tool to have been one of the first to make a scientific study of it. He pointed out the Greek church was invaded by multitude of errors because the Greeks had no preachers. He could never say enough to, in praise of St. Dominic a farsightedness in establishing an order specifically for preaching. Jordan studied methods of making sermons more effective, both by using examples that would reach the, peop- the people and by the use of the vernacular. This latter was a much disputed subject in his day. Jordan was considered a daring innovator. Because it was controversial, he strove to make Italian a beautiful instrument on which he could play the melodies of the Lord. Blessed with an extraordinary memory, Jordan was renowned for his knowledge in general and knew the bravery by heart, as well as the Missal and most of the Bible, plus the second part of the Summa. This faculty of memory he used in his sermons, but he was quick to point out to young preachers that learning alone can never make a preacher. By the holiness of his own life, he made this plain and continually preached it to those who was training to preach. Jordan of Pisa had two great devotions to our Blessed Mother and to St. Dominic. He was favored with the vision of Our Lady. She came into the Father's rectory and served at table. Jordan, who was the only one who could see her, could barely eat for excitement. He spoke often of her in his sermons and also of St. Dominic. In 1311, the Master General Americus Giliani appointed him Professor of Theology at the Friary of St. James in Paris to deliver his reading of the Lombard Sentences and obtain his Master's Degree. But Jordan died on his way to Paris. His body was returned from Pianzia, where death overtook him, to rest in the Church of Santa Caterni in Pisa. On the 23rd of August, 1833, Blessed Jordan's cultus was confirmed by Pope Gregory XVI, and in 1838, he was beatified by Pope Gregory XVI. 
Jordan studied the use of preaching for evangelization. He pioneered the use of Tuscan language for preaching and lecturing, which helped establish as the foremost among the vernaculars of Italy. His Tuscan was reputedly vers uh, versatile and musical, but never elaborate or innate. At Florence, he repeatedly preached five times a day, walking about both indoors and out, followed by a crowd of listeners as he developed his topic. During his lengthy sermons, his friends and disciples, Sylvester of Valdis Valdisiv, sometimes sat near the pulpit with wine to refresh him. Some of his listeners took notes that, that have survived. His preaching was said to have a positive effect on Florentine public life and morality by its emphasis on sound Thomistic doctrine, Christian living, and perseverance. When he had to say what he would have, what what he had to say would have sounded dry in Latin, but significantly, no Latin sermons by Jordan have survived. Saint, and here is the uh, a prayer for him. God of holiness, by the integrity of his life and gentle manner, you may bless Jordan a fitting minister to preach the gospel. By following his example, may we generously strive to serve you through the service to our neighbor, and so gain the fruit of everlasting reward. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Ghost, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Blessed Jordan, pray for us. The Gospel for today is Matthew chapter 20, verses 1-16. through 16. Jesus told his disciples this parable, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner, who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with, with, with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again in the ground noon, and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, he found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give the last of one last one and this to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. The gospel of the Lord. Amen. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Yes, we are looking at this passage, and oh my goodness, this passage says a lot. Uh, often this will be used to try to justify communism, say, hey, look, Jesus here is being a communist because he's uh, giving the uh, people who only worked for an hour the same money as the people who worked all day. That's communist, right? So Jesus was a communist. No, no. It even, uh, what's, the, what's one of the principles of communism? One of the principles of communism is you don't own anything yourself. Yet, what does our Lord say here in the parable? He says, am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? So what is the money? What is it symbolic of? Because we know that this is a parable, so these are symbols. What does the money symbolize? The money symbolizes the grace that God gives us. This is the place in heaven. Think about it this way. 
for those who convert on their deathbed, I'm thinking of like a Constantine. Constantine was baptized on his deathbed. And in the Eastern Church, he's venerated as a saint. Constantine received baptism on his deathbed, and then he died and presumably went straight to heaven. Well, some people will say, that's not fair. I was baptized as a child. And because of that, I lived the tenets of the faith. I followed the commandments. I worked in the vineyard. I worked in the vineyard for a long time, all day. And it was a huge burden. I, it says, quote, we bore the day's burden and the heat. And yes, yes, it's true. Some of us, I'm a cradle Catholic. I'm sure most of you are cradle Catholics. Yes, we were born into the faith. And what a grace it is to suffer for our Lord. What a grace it is to do the work of God. But our Lord is generous with the grace that he gives. Our Lord is merciful. He desires that all men be saved. And it is our duty, those who came early, to go and evangelize. It is our duty as the ones that he called earlier to bring into the sheepfold to say, hey, the master of this house, he is generous. If you but work one hour for him, he will give you a day's wage. What a grace, because our Lord is not required to give us anything. Our Lord is not required to bestow upon us the grace of eternal life. Instead, we only earn eternal damnation, but out of the grace and mercy of our Lord, he desires that all men be saved. And because of that, in his infinite mercy, he gives those who come and work in the last hour a day's wage whenever those who worked all day also received a day's wage. Now, this doesn't mean that everyone is equal in heaven. This does not mean that everyone is a, it's a egalitarian society in heaven. It's a communist state in heaven. No, far from it. For to whom much is given, much is expected. To whom much is given, more will be given. We see that in the, in the parable of talents. All the parables need to be looked at in tandem. There's different truths that our Lord is trying to get out and different parables. And everything our Lord says is true, good, and beautiful because he is Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank veriboom.com forward slash CDT for allowing us to talk about the scriptures in this way, to be able to open up the scriptures and discuss them with you, our listener, veriboom.com forward slash CDT. All right, we're about to go to a break. And after this break, we're going to jump into our interview with Gabi After Hours on Catholic parenting. How do you parent as a Catholic? What's the strategy here? How do I punish? How do I reward? Uh, how do I take them to Mass in adoration? Get them to play the rosary? So much uh, coming up right after this break. So don't go anywhere. Gabi After Hours right after this break. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. 
Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need your mercy. I need a savior. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. We are back, and uh, today we're going to be having a pre-recorded show, so you're listening. It's not live. Joe and I are off on retreat, so we're sleeping in a little bit. We'll probably wake up around the time this is probably airing, but we have a special guest today. Gabriel Castillo with Gabi After Hours is on to talk about parenting, how to raise Catholic children, and we might talk about a few other things, so we'll see where the conversation goes, but you're not going to want to miss this interview, but uh, good morning, Mr. Castillo. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. This is actually quite an unpopular topic. Like, I noticed that none of my family and friends, no offense to my family and friends who are watching this, like, who have children gave me a like or shared or anything like that. It was (laughs) other people who don't know me personally. So, although I'm talking about these things, I in no way think that I'm an expert, and I in no way claim that my children are perfect or good. No, actually, no, my, my children are actually really good, objectively speaking. They're very good children, but they're not perfect. They're not like the model of all the virtues or anything. So I speak of this knowing my faults as a father and their faults as children being human, children of Adam and Eve, unfortunately. Amen. Yeah, I know uh, people get very touchy when you start talking about how to raise other yeah. people's children. Especially, like, and it's really hard because I'll get a lot of comments saying things like, I failed, and then so it's... Like if they failed as a parent, they look back and they say, what can I do now? My children are grown. What? I, I messed up. If that's you, I want you to be sure and know you did the best you could. You did your best for what you had and when you knew it and trust that God will bring about good. And there's actually a lot of things you can do now, even though your parents, your, your children have left the home, that you can help to bring them back to the Catholic faith. You know, you actually did a talk. I We invited you over to our parish for a Legion of Mary retreat, and you yes. gave a talk on this exact topic of uh, the reparation lifestyle. Is that yes. what it was? Yes. Uh, so if you were in that situation where your kids are now grown up and they're no longer living in the house and you're like, oh, I'm just now hearing about these kind of ideas. Yes. What can I do now? Uh, I highly recommend going and checking out that video. And the video is called The Truth About Fatima. Or it's also titled Fatima Today, how it applies to today. Because the message of Fatima is all about saving souls because Our Lady said that many souls go to hell because there's nobody to pray and to do penance for them. Amen, amen. So there is a way to save them. The message of Fatima is a message of hope, and Our Lady gives us an outline on what we can do to save our children and our family, our friends, and even our enemies. Awesome. So if you are interested in that, definitely go check that video out. On the, Is that on True Faith Talks? It's on, it's on Gabi After Hours. Gabi After Hours. Okay, yeah. wonderful. But for today, we're talking about how to raise good Catholic yes. children. And so uh, what inspired you to make this video in particular? Um, I, I recently had a new baby, and 
after I have a baby, we go to baptism. The first thing that I do shortly after, the, even just the second that my wife lets me take the child out of the house, which is pretty quickly because she wants some time to rest on her own. I take the child before the Blessed Sacrament, and many of the parents of the saints did this. The parents of St. Dominic, all the great saints, their parents did this. They take the child before the Blessed Sacrament. They take the child before a statue of Our Lady, and we say, Lord, I offer you this child. Receive this child as your own. I am merely the guardian. I forget which great saint said it, but it was a great doctor of the church said, the mother is merely the nurse. The true mother is the Blessed Mother. So the child that I have in my arms, I am watching over because this child belongs to you, Lord Jesus. This child is a child of Mary. So the very first thing that we do as a family is consecrate our children directly to God, directly to Mary. It's very powerful because consecration is very powerful. We saw this with the revelations of the Sacred Heart to St. Margaret Mary. Jesus wanted France consecrated to the Sacred Heart. At Fatima, Our Lady wanted Russia consecrated to her Immaculate Heart. They ask for these consecrations because consecration is powerful. But in addition to that, what it does for the parent is it sets apart in my mind, this child is not my child. This is God's child whom I have been entrusted to. For example, Adrian Fonseca drives a Mercedes-Benz, brand new, 2021 Mercedes-Benz. If he was going out of town and he said, Gabe, watch over my car, I promise, because it's such an expensive, valuable car, I would take very good care of his Mercedes. So how much more would I take care of a child of God, an immortal soul, that I'm going to face the judgment based on my vocation as a parent? So setting this in the mind right away, very important. It changes the way I talk to my children. It changes the way I discipline my children. It changes the way I look at my children. When I'm holding them, I'm feeling like this is a child of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Very important, step number one. So long long answer for a short question. Why did I make a video on this topic, which can be found at YouTube? It's called Catholic Parenting. It's actually called the Ultimate Catholic Parents Guide, but that's only <laughs> that's only hype for the thumbnail. Like, it, although it is probably one of the best Catholic parents guides, but uh, you can find that on YouTube. But that was the impetus. We just had a baby. She's a little over two months old. Her name's Bernadette Mary. She doesn't talk back. She's a perfect child already. She doesn't talk back. She eats whatever food is given her, which is just milk. Amazing so, how babies work. Yeah, they're really good. They're really <laughs> no, cute too. My, God made uh, them cute. In the my beginning. mother. I know whenever I was born, my mother consecrated me to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yes. She brought me to the Statue of Our Lady. Yes, very um, powerful. And it kind of reminded me, this is uh, the story of King St. Ferdinand. Uh, he was already older, but or actually whenever he was born, he was born incredibly sickly, and he was going to be taken over to be, uh, he was like dying. And someone told her, take uh, the baby to the Shrine of Our Lady. Mm. And so the queen took her, and there became a huge procession over to the Shrine of Our Lady. He consecrated the baby to Our Lady, and immediately the baby's healed and uh, whenever he gets older he was summoned to his uh, to his father's house who was a corrupt king and, uh, and his mother begged him not to go and the son tells him uh, since the upright young man could find no alternative to his obligation of obeying his father he told his heartbroken mother Christ redeemed us not in the sweet arms of his mother but on the hard arms of the cross and his knight will not serve him in any other way wow and that kind of just reminded me of uh, the whole concept of we are not our own. We don't. Yes. We are not. We don't belong to our parents. Ultimately, yes. ultimately, we belong to God the Father. Yeah. Uh, so how do you? So we now we say, okay, we have this idea. The, the child is not our own. The child belongs to the God the Father, and we need to take care of him. So what's the steps? How do we raise the child? So I like to say a saying. I don't know how true it is, but I, I believe it. Whenever we consecrate ourselves to Mary, 
Our Lady, yes, she treats us with sweetness, but she also disciplines us. And I like to say in that that Our Lady doesn't have brats as children. So Our Lady's children should be well-behaved and well-disciplined. And discipline is actually very simple. It's very simple as long as you maintain it consistently. So the key to good discipline is clear, consistent, and firm consequences. You never lose your temper. You never get angry. So a consequence is only the result of a bad behavior, a bad behavior that's actually harmful for the child. So as a parent, I never want to discipline my kids. My kids know I don't want to punish you. I don't want to put you in time out. I don't want to take things from you. But when you act this way, I have to do it. You're basically asking me to do it. And what you'll find that discipline works for all young people at any age. And I really, oddly enough, I figured this out because I went to a very bad high school. I went to Elsick High School in A-Leaf, Texas. Very bad. Very dangerous place to go. The (laughs) children are very rebellious. They're cursing at the teachers. All this stuff, right? And so when I was getting my driver's license, I had to go to the DMV. And at the DMV I went to, there was very strict rules. No cell phone, no talking, perfectly quiet. If you're not, you're not going to get your driver's license. And I looked around at all my peers who could not keep their mouth shut during class. But when they were given firm, clear, consistent consequences, they were like little lambs, perfectly (laughs) quiet. So then I was like, my goodness, what these children needed their whole life was some discipline. You said that. Yes. Wow. Because I was like, these kids are bad. It's amazing. Why are they so quiet? Normally they're cursing at their superiors. So, uh, it, and it's, it's true for our children as well. Anytime, when we think of like a basketball game, if you're going to have a game run well, and if you're, the kids who are, or the youth who are playing in the basketball game are going to be the best, if they're going to succeed, they have to have boundaries, they have to know the rules, they have to learn to work together, and all of these things our children need to know. Now, they are full of concupiscence. They have a disordered inclination to do what is wrong. I have a disordered inclination to do what is wrong. And so anytime that they're doing an action that is not good, we warn them. We say, hey, little Johnny, please don't talk loud in mass. Please don't talk to me during mass or whatever the circumstance might be. Please turn down whatever you're listening to. Please don't do X, Y, or Z. And if you do it again, you're not going to have X, Y, or Z for the next night, for the next hour. You give them a consequence And then this is the key. This is the key. Follow through. Follow through. I was recently at, this happens all the time at the the store. I remember this specifically at Target. There was a mom, there was a kid acting like a maniac, acting like a child. And the mom says, you better stop. You better, I'm not going to tell you again. If you don't stop, I'm not taking you to McDonald's. If you, there was like 18 threats. And not a single consequence. Yikes. And then finally, when the parent gave the consequence, it was pulling the ear and dragging and screaming and fighting. The problem was not with the child. The problem was with the parent. All you have to do is follow through. And, and it's just human nature. A lot of times women tend not to do this. A lot of times it's the dad who's a disciplinarian. And the dad comes home and the dad is angry. So discipline is important. But it should be done out of love. Whenever they're being disciplined so that there's not resentment and hatred towards your parents, they should only see love in the Father. Mm. They should only see love. Because God the Father, we are a reflection of God the Father. As fathers and as mothers, you have that same image of God, that authority in you. When you're disciplining, it should be out of love. God the Father doesn't want what's doesn't want us to go to hell in this in the case of God the Father. He wants us to go to heaven. But we're choosing this consequence on our own. 
So it's very important the same. When we discipline, it's out of love, it's out of mercy, it's out of charity. But being weak humans, sometimes our kids do things that we don't have time to warn them. Maybe your kid ran by and slapped the sister. Maybe they knock things down and you're gonna get emotionally charged. When you get emotionally charged and you give them a consequence immediately to stop the behavior, which sometimes there's no chance for a warning, it's so bad that you just gotta punish them right away. If you go over the top in your punishment, That's okay as long as afterwards when things have calmed down, you go to your child and talk to them and say, hey, you know, earlier when I punished you, you did something very bad. Do you agree it was very bad? Yeah, it was very bad. Okay, well, I told you you'd be grounded for two weeks, no screen. If you can maintain good behavior, I will cut it to only three days, but you better be perfect. Now, your kid doesn't even know that you're only saying this because you over-consequenced. So you're looking like a merciful person. You're looking, and so you're still getting the correction. I know somebody's called art of the deal, they say. You go over, (laughs) and then you cut back so that the over, cutting back seems like an act of mercy. I don't know who said that art of the deal, but it's a good one. It's a good. It's a good principle. You know, it's very interesting you say that because I was thinking of my own family. My yeah. my little sister, I mean, my little sister, my little brother. When yes. he was uh, getting punished, yeah. my uh, mother would go in and she'd spank him, and my brother would just mean mug her. He'd just yeah. stare at her and because just take it because he yeah. was like he's like my mom didn't sp- she yes. didn't spank very hard. Yes, and then uh, but it was totally different when dad came home. Yes, and so it was a very different circumstance. And then I'm thinking of my me personally of consequences for like in sports. You gave yes. a sports analogy. When I first started playing uh, basketball, I had played football for years. And so whenever I first played basketball, I tackled the guy with the basketball. And I got ejected from the game. Don't go anywhere. We are headed to a break. And right after the break, we'll get right back into the interview with Gabriel Castillo with Gabi After Hours, True Faith TV, and True Faith Talks on YouTube. Follow him there. But we'll be right back right after this break. And so don't go anywhere with Gabi After Hours on Catholic Parenting, How to Discipline Our Children. And what up next is about the CARE program. What's that? Uh, You'll find out in just a second. And we will get right into that after this short break. God love you. The Catechism defines an indulgence as a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. But is it biblical to say punishment remains after God has forgiven our sins and that we can do something to satisfy it? I think it is. For example, David is forgiven of his sin in 2 Samuel 12, but yet must suffer the death of his son. Even Jesus teaches in Luke 12 that the servant who sins without full knowledge will be punished, but in a lesser degree. It is such temporal consequences that indulgences remit. Exercising her power to bind and loose, the church grants indulgences to help her children heed St. Paul's exhortation in Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation. So, is the Catholic understanding of an indulgence biblical? You bet it is. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. 
That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. totally different when dad came home yes. and so it was a very different circumstance and then i'm thinking of my me personally of consequences for like in sports you gave yes. a sports analogy when i first started playing uh, basketball i had played football for years and so whenever i first played basketball i tackled the guy with the basketball Whoa. and i got ejected from the game and yep. uh sure enough um i did it three times and i got ejected from the game three times and consistent punishment uh for the action i stopped tackling the guy with the basketball uh, yes. So, I mean, I think it's it's perfectly logical, everything you're saying. It makes and so a lot of you sense. You bring up a good point. You bring up a good point about spanking. So I, I got spankings all the time when I was a kid. In fact, I would even put, my mom would come home and I'd put on 10 pairs of underwear and she would whip <laughs> me and I would laugh. <laughs> in her, too. I would laugh in her face. Wow, what a bad kid. So for me, spanking did nothing because I was like, yeah, I can take it. Come on, hit me, right? But our kids love things. Everything that your child has in the home you own. If there's a television, you own the television. If there's sheets on your bed, you own the sheets. You own the door, you own the pillow, you own the dolls, you own the books, you own everything. So if there's ever a circumstance where you're, and and I work with high school teenagers, I forgot to mention this. So I've seen the result of bad parenting. Parents will come to me and say, my son, he curses at me. He does this and that. He's smoking weed. He's doing all that. Okay. Does he have a cell phone? Yeah. Who's paying for the phone? Me. Where's he getting his weed? Ah, from his friends at school. He's calling them. Okay, hello. Use your brain. Take away the cell phone. (laughs) Take it away. Your child is the boss of the house. He's ruling your life. If he doesn't have access to these people, so this takes us to St. John Bosco, great, great saint. So he says there's three things that ruin children. Bad habits, which we're going to correct, which all of us are going to correct with loving discipline. Our children should not hate us. Our children should say, Mom, he doesn't want to punish me. Look, she's giving tears, giving my punishment. Bad habits, which we're going to correct with discipline. Bad friends, which you're going to correct with diligence. You can't be a lazy parent. You have to know who your children's friends are. You have to know the parents of the children that they're hanging out with and the kind of materials that the children are watching. But then the ultimate culprit here is going to be bad books. So John Bosco said bad habits, bad friends, and bad books. But now we're living in a time where kids don't read books. They have other, what, what are our modern day books? Unfortunately, I know we're all, we love reading, but it's the media. It's the media. If they're getting information in their head, and they might not even be explicit saying there's no God or whatever it is the problem is in your child's life, but they're getting bombarded with uh, atheistic mentality, uh, hedonistic mentality all day. The music they listen to, the Twitters, the Instagram, it's all about the, the flesh. It's all about power. It's all about money. So you have to have a control on what your children are looking to. So a lot of times parents in high school, even after, they say, I lost my children. They don't go to church anymore. Well, and there's two things. So one, you can't control what your children do. You're going to be judged according to your own vocation, whether you did what was right or wrong. They have a free will. But if the influence on them from their peers, their negative influence, outweighs your positive influence, you got, you got to do something about that, and you got to talk to them about the consequences of this. So my children, people are like, your children are going to rebel. They're not going to rebel because I show them videos of people on drugs. 
I show them the I, I I pull up we watch cops and they, my my son is like dad why is that person so dumb why is he talking back to the cops and I say because that person's on a drug called meth <laughs> why is his jaw like that why is his mouth so dry that's why we don't use drugs because they make you dumb <laughs> mm, yeah sin makes you stupid <laughs> yes yeah, sin uh, does make we, you stupid we have um we had an interview with General Boykin uh, who is the founder of Delta Force and we talked to him and we was talking about parenting and he had mentioned uh, that he had an adult child who came home one day and was smoking weed. Ooh. And he was like, okay, so this is what's going to be. You're going to give up weed or you're not going to live in the house. And the kid said, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not going to give up weed. So he took his son and drove him to the nearest mall and dropped him off at the mall and drove home. He said in uh, three weeks, his son made his way back to the house and uh, he had given up weed. Well, so It's very funny. It's hard to buy weed if you don't have any money. <laughs> Well, that yeah, <laughs> a little difficult. It's yeah, a little difficult. so stop. You cut them off. Uh, and sometimes I know it. Sometimes it's very hard. Sometimes it's late in life. But I again, I work with high school youth ministry. I work with teenagers. The worst, sometimes the best, sometimes mediocre. And all of them in their hearts, every person, you have to understand this, every person is made in the image and likeness of God. Every person longs for God. And the solutions of God, when presented with love, when presented with charity, are always going to be beneficial. So I, I didn't come up with this, but there's a beautiful acronym that I love to use, and it's called CARE. So it's C-A-R-E. And so what is CARE? CARE is a way to take care of your children's souls. So what does the C stand for? Confession, frequent confession, no less than once a month. I recommend if you have teenagers in the house, once every two weeks. I take my children to confession once every two weeks. My son is 13 years old. What does this do? Well, first and foremost, you have to do all of these things that I'm going to recommend. You have to do it. If you don't go to confession regularly, if you're not doing the other three letters of this regularly, if you're not thoroughly convinced of this first and foremost, you can't say, I got an idea to take care of You need to be doing this. If you were doing this already, you would already know the solutions. Confession frequently. As a father, I, I go to confession once a week, once every two weeks maximum, but for you, minimum, don't go any less than once a month. Why? Because when I'm confessing, I, yes, I'm confessing the big 10, all the 10 commandments, all six commandment, ninth commandment, all the popular ones, but I also include three other categories. My, my relationship with God, I confess, how's my prayer life? Oh, I'm not waking up and praying. Oh, I'm being, I'm not giving God full attention when I'm praying. I'm being distracted in prayer. Number two, what is my relationship with my children and my wife? I confess when I get home from work and I look at my phone. I confess when I get home from work and I'm not paying attention to my children and giving them the attention that they need. I confess when I lose my temper with my children. I confess when I lose my patience with my wife. Because yes, not only am I losing my patience, but I'm also committing a sin of scandal. Maybe it's not a grave sin of scandal, but there is scandal there when I'm setting a bad example. So by doing confession frequently for yourself, and then the third, the third category is confessing, how are you doing at work? Are you working hard? Are you wasting time looking at YouTube, all these things? Are you, are you doing an honest living for an honest wage? 
So going to confession frequently, even with no mortal sins, will help you in your vocation. So if I'm doing that, I will place that as a priority for my children because my conscience will start to trouble me if I'm failing in giving them a proper religious education and foundation. And so when a child, and they're going to go through puberty, so their bodies are going to be all over the place with uh, lust and with confusion and emotion, not to mention the media and the way the media is impacting their minds, the way the media is impacting their friends, who are then impacting them and scandalizing them, they're going to have bad habits that you don't know about. But when you take them to the sacrament of confession, they are called, they're being held to account, and you're doing this from a young age, so that when you start young, this is the key, when you start young, they're used to doing, they're used to confessing, so that when they are faced with more difficult challenges, let's say they do come across pornography, they have somewhere to go to confess it because they will feel guilt when they do that. We have this built into us. Our consciences, until we kill them, we have this built into us to feel guilt. So we will confess it, and then they have accountability, but most importantly, they experience the love and the mercy of God. I, work, I mentioned I work with high school teenagers, and people say, how do you convert so many? I don't convert anybody. Our priest offers confession for an entire hour every single time our teenagers meet. So parents drop off their kids and they say, wow, my child is converted. What happened to him? Oh, I saw him went to confession. Father has confession there. The green light is on. Slowly the green light attracts the bugs, the insects in a way, like a light outside of the front porch attracts insects. Slowly the children start to gravitate over there. And when they experience the mercy of God, they experience his peace, they experience his healing. All it takes is one good confession to really turn the heart around. But the reality is one good confession in a world where we have bad habits isn't enough. Frequent, frequent, frequent confession. I promise you, it will give them the grace to overcome their sins. It will give them the grace to move forward in the spiritual life. And they will go through the ups and the valleys side by side with the mercy of God. I think there's two points that I really like uh, that you brought up. And I was actually having lunch with a youth minister friend of mine. And he was telling me he was preparing for confirmation. And the kids asked uh, whether or not... He was, uh, they should, they were, he was telling them, you need to go to confession before you go to get confirmed. And he was telling them, these are where the churches that have confessions. These are the times you need to go. And so they were getting ready to go. And he said he got calls from parents, several parents saying, well, little Johnny went to confession a month ago. Is that good enough? And uh, he was, and he told her, well, little Johnny goes to a, a, goes to a public school, has a phone and watches TV, I think he probably needs to get to confession. Yes. And uh, and that's one point that I really liked that you were making about going to confession frequently. The second point that I really liked was saying that the uh, parents need to go too. Because yes. if that parent was going to confession frequently, they wouldn't need to ask because they'd realize their own faults. So that tells me that that parent didn't know and needed to call was the fact that they probably only go to confession once a year, if that. Yep. Um, because I know personally, I go to confession mm-hmm. every other week, and uh, and I recognize, I'm like, oh my goodness, I am committing grave sin all the time, all the time. And I and I and and it's it's tragic, and it yeah. makes me think, how did I ever go in high school right. going months without going to confession? Yep. It's just mind-blowing. One of the big mistakes that parents make when their kids ask to go to confession is they say, That's all the time we have for that interview. I left on a cliffhanger. I apologize. But, you know, we'll finish out that interview after this short break. 
Uh, after this break, we'll get right back into the interview with Gabi after hours. If you want to hear the rest of what he has to say, tune in during uh, the next segment. So God love you, and we'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I want a religion that is not so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says a religion that is not dogmatic is not a religion. A religion means something that commits a man to some doctrine about the universe. Anyone who believes anything is dogmatic. In fact, Chesterton says a teacher who is not dogmatic is not teaching anything. And if you think about it, a doctor who's not dogmatic is not who you want prescribing medicine or performing surgery. An auto mechanic who's not dogmatic is not going to be able to fix your carburetor. We want professionals to have specific training, but specific training means embracing very specific ideas. And yet we want a religion that is not dogmatic, as if standing before God is less important than repairing our car. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. their own faults so that tells me that that parent didn't know and needed to call was the fact that they probably only go to confession once a year if that yeah. um, because I know personally I go to confession mm-hmm. every other week and uh, and I recognize I'm like oh my goodness I am committing grave sin all the time all the time and I and I and it's it's tragic and it yeah. makes me think how did I ever go in high school right. going months without going to confession yeah. it's mind-blowing one of the big mistakes that parents make when their kids ask to go to confession is they say what did you do mom dad if if you've ever asked that never do it again that is the dumbest thing you could ever ask your child because then they they say Oh, oh, nothing. I don't need to go. And then they never go back Mm -hmm. because of your own lax conscience. Mm -hmm. Never ask, what did you do? Let me, let me get out of an examination of conscience. Let's go through some of the things you've been doing, mom and dad. No offense, but go ahead. Ready? Absolutely. No, no. I think that's, that's such an important point as a child that's happened to me. Uh, sorry, mom and dad, (laughs) (laughs) but they, I was like, Oh mom, can you take me to convention? What did you do? And I'm like, uh, and they, they just don't want to talk about it anymore. And so that's like the worst thing you can possibly tell a kid is if they want to go to confession. And that's why I also think another great point, take the children with you when you go to yes, confession. Yes, so yes. it doesn't even need to be a thing. It just yes. rescheduled. We're going to go to confession this time every single, every other week. And, uh, and it, it becomes a habit. And, and so it no longer needs to be any questions, any concerns, because it's a private matter yeah. uh, uh, between the, your, your private sins and your confessor. And so there's something interesting about the human heart. As you begin to sin, the heart becomes harder. And so you become dull and desensitized to the sins you commit. 
So if you have the schedule, we're going on the first Friday of every month, or we're going every other week, or this is the first Saturday and the third Saturday. If you have the schedule, your first inclination will be to say, I don't need to go. I haven't done anything wrong. My kids sometimes will say, we're going to confession. Oh, it's been two weeks. I don't think I've done anything wrong. Think about it. Think about it for just a little while. If, if the sacrament helps you to overcome your vices, I am positive you can think of a couple of vices that you began to overlook. Padre Pio once said, everything is a sin practically. Yeah, if you're not living a perfect life, doing everything perfectly, it's at least a venial sin. Venial sin disposes us to commit mortal sin. Now, this is not creating a scrupulous mentality. This is creating a delicate conscience. So let's say you just check out a beautiful woman. Wow, beautiful woman over there. She's immodest. Well, I'll just take a second glance. That second glance disposes me to looking at women as objects on a more frequent basis, disposes me to looking at women on YouTube, for example, and then that disposes you to looking at pornography. I'm just using this as an example to show that we overlook a lot of little things and then we find ourselves in a very serious situation and we say, how do we get here? You did not just go from one to a hundred. Mm-hmm. You went from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And frequent confession. I like to give the analogy of a paper airplane. So when you go to confession, you're thrown up high. You're sailing pretty good. But with time, human nature, your weakness, your frailty, the paper airplane's going to start to go down. You don't want the airplane to crash. And what confession does is it's kind of like a fresh gust of wind that picks you back up and you start fresh. So before giving in to big sin, if you go to confession, the confessional will put you back on top, whereas normally you would crash had you not had a divine intervention. Amen. There's so much more to be said yes. at this point, but Sorry. we're already 20 minutes in, so let's get to A. Uh, yes. What is A? A's and, and adoration, that? frequent adoration. St. John Bosco, again, the patron saint of the youth, said frequent visits to Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament turns ordinary people into saints. When you go to the Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, and I recommend going at least once a week for at least one hour a week, the, our Lord said, could you not watch one hour with me? And and is what, this with your child or without your child? As, as an adult, I go without and with. But with, if you're busy, just go with. Make them come with you. And after every adoration session, I always ask my children, so how do you feel? And they say, oh, so much more peaceful. And I said, I know, it's, it's strange. And you know this experience if you've ever made a holy hour. Going in, you don't want to go in. But after the hour is over, you say, man, I really needed that. Because the heart is overcome with so much hardness that just kind of calcifies slowly over time. It is difficult to do. It is. But you have to have a plan. If you're taking your children to adoration, give them a plan. Here's a rosary. Here's a rosary pamphlet. After you do that, you sit and you listen to Jesus for five or ten minutes. And then here's a book. And you let them pick any spiritual book that they want. Something that's written by a saint. Something that's about a saint. It's something that's age appropriate. And then you will find your children are re- are, are digesting extraordinary spiritual literature and the Holy Spirit speaks through literature. We recently had the Feast of St. Dominic. St. Dominic said that his books were the sweet milk of God, that they were just such sweetness and consolation to him. So weekly adoration, you will be so surprised at the change that you will see in your children. And one of the motivations for me to do this with my own kids is I like my children a lot better after they've been to confession (laughs) and made a holy hour. They're so loving and so good and so peaceful and their thoughts are so fruitful and heavenly. Amazing, amazing. So with that, again, is spiritual reading. 
we're, I'm, I'm, I hate to break it to you, but our, our homilies we're getting on Sunday, 15 minutes from our, our pastor, our parochial vicar, is not enough spiritual nourishment to last your child a week. They have to have spiritual reading. The best way to kill all these birds with one stone is A, adoration. So care, confession, adoration. And R stands for rosary. So, so important. I've been reading a lot, preparing myself for the Feast of St. Maximilian Kolbe. And before he died, St. Maximilian Kolbe, before he was led away to Auschwitz, had such profound insights into the power of the Holy Spirit and to the Holy Spirit's relationship with the Virgin Mary. The Holy Spirit is the life of God in your soul. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is the life of the church and the perfect vessel of the Holy Spirit, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, is the Virgin Mary. Our Lady has many roles. Yes, it's the spouse of the Holy Spirit. It's that she's the mediatrix of all grace. But more importantly than all of these things, she's the real mother of your children. She's the real mother of your own soul. And she wants to help them. If you could take the love of every mother who's ever lived and multiply that times a thousand and combine it, that does not equal one fraction of the amount of love that Our Lady has for you and for your children. She wants them to be holy. More, The sword in her heart is because of the love of Jesus Christ that longs for, it, it's pure love. It's the sword that pierced her heart that she has for your children and for you. She must be in your children's life. And the number one way that she wants to be in your children's life is through praying of the Holy Rosary. And you might, and your children will say, and you might say, it's boring. Yes, it is. Everything about the rosary is perfect. It was meant to be a little boring, especially in an age where our minds are so addicted to devices, so addicted to instant gratification. I myself, who consider myself semi-spiritual, am constantly looking at my phone. We need to stop and pray the rosary as a family every single night. Parents tell me, my children, they left the faith. We, I taught them about God and everything. But did you pray the rosary every single night? No, we didn't. How often? Oh, once a week. It's not enough. Mm. It's not enough. Absolutely. And, the St. Alphonse Liguori, the moral doctor of the church, said if he did not pray the rosary just for one day, yeah. he would fear for his eternal soul. And he's the moral doctor of the church. And that terrifies me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the question of adoration and praying the rosary, you know, another way to have devotion to Our Lady that really struck me because I, my mom, uh, when we were young, had us pray the rosary as a family. But then when we got into high school, then it was more difficult for her to make us pray the rosary. And so I kind of stopped praying it. I started reading big books and I was like, oh, the rosary is not for uh, intellectual people. Rosary is for simple people. And so I stopped praying the rosary. Um, and but the thing is, I always retained a devotion to Our Lady because my mom always had statues of Our Lady. She had enculturated a uh, love for Our Lady where we give respect to the images of Our Lady, where we venerate the images of Our Lady. And so when I finally read Secret of the Rosary by St. Louis de Mumford, and I realized that he was talking to me when he was like, some people will say, I'm too smart to pray the rosary. And I was like, oh, well, that's awkward. I was just saying that. It's like he, uh, he knew exactly what I was thinking. And, uh, and I brought me back to praying the rosary and it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, but yeah, absolutely. These are so important. Uh, so what would, be, what would you say if someone says my son, my daughter, they can't sit still for an hour to sit in adoration. Give them a book, give them incentive. 
So Our Lady does this with us all the time. She gives us all these promises to pray the rosary because we know it's difficult. So if you're good, after this adoration, we'll go get a little ice cream. We'll go get a little treat. You control everything that they consume. You control everything. And you never be the bad guy. Always be, it's always a bonus to do these things. I want to add something to about the prayer of the rosary. A lot of the times it can be dry and difficult to pray the rosary and very root and routine. Or And I have a recommended method of praying the rosary as a family. And as a group, this works with teenagers as well. Teenagers who are, you would think, aren't open to it. So first you got to talk about the benefits and the beauty and all the promises. Yes. When you gather to pray the rosary, have the children say, okay, everybody think of their intention. You give them 10 to 20 seconds to think of their intention. And then you say, and then you start your prayer by saying, blessed mother, I believe that you're here. We believe you're here. Wrap us in your mantle. We offer you all the intentions of these young people's hearts. And then you add your own intention for the sanctity of the family, for the holiness of their life, for us to have the virtues of purity, of modesty, of charity, of patience, that we have the grace of final perseverance. And then with each mystery, tell the children, now in our minds, we're going to imagine this. We're going to imagine the angel. Mary's praying in her room and an angel appears to her. We ask you, Blessed Mother, through this mystery that we too can hear the voice of the angel speaking to us. And so you tie the story into the mystery so that it's a learning experience, so it's a mystical experience, so Our Lady is present. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit is the spouse of the Virgin Mary. If you need the the Holy Spirit to stir in your children's souls, Our Lady's the one to do it. It would be an insult to Our Lady for the Holy Spirit not to work when we call upon her name. He loves her so deeply, and she's the perfect example of the perfect disciple. That'll do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. This is a pre-recorded show, and during the next hour, we will finish off the interview with Gabi After Hours from True Faith TV, True Faith Talks, and Gabi After Hours, Gabriel Castillo on Catholic Parenting. You're not going to want to miss the rest of this interview, so if you can, Hang out with us during the next hour. And uh, if you're on Station of the Cross, God love you. And we'll see you tomorrow. You can tune in at GRN online forward slash CDT or tune in online on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter on GRN online or Catholic Drive Time. God love you. And we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven? Doesn't God rebuke the Israelites in the Old Testament for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven? Should we not refer to Mary with that title, therefore, since it's a title of a false god? In Jeremiah 7, verse 18, God is indeed upset with the Israelites for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven. However, just because God rebuked them for worshiping the false Queen of Heaven doesn't mean that we cannot pay honor to the true Queen of Heaven, the Blessed Mother. That type of thinking would lead you to believe that just because people worship a false god that they call God, we therefore should not call the true God by that same name, God, because that's the same name the idolaters use for their God. 
That is faulty logic and it makes no sense whatsoever. Again, the fact that there is a false queen of heaven does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false goddess when we call Mary the queen of heaven. Just as the fact that there is a false god does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false god when we call our Father in heaven God. And there is a true queen of heaven. We see this quite clearly in Revelation 12 verse 1. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Let's see. There's a woman. She's in heaven. And she has a crown on her head. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the cleaning lady. No, it's the true queen of heaven, Mary, the mother of the male child who is to rule the nations. We do not worship Mary. We honor her just as Jesus honors her. So there is absolutely nothing wrong from a scriptural point of view in calling Mary the Queen of Heaven and in honoring her just as Jesus honors her. After all, if Jesus is the King, then Mary is truly the Queen Mother of Heaven. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. This is not Joe McClain. This is Adrian Fonseca here today. Because today... Is a special day. We are not in studio. We are having a pre-recorded show today. We, Joe and I, are off on retreat, so we're in Midland, Texas. I, uh, we know it's we're having our annual retreat, so it's a time of rest and relaxation. So right now, while you're listening to this, hopefully, Joe and I are still tucked away in bed, sleeping it off, getting that little couple extra hours of sleep. Praise be to God. But do not fear. Be not afraid, because today we still have unique content for you, our listener. Today we have an interview with Gabriel Castillo from Gabi After Hours, and today he's going to be talking about the uh, parenting from a Catholic perspective. How do we raise good Catholic children? How do you discipline children as a Catholic? And this, these are great questions. These are great answers that are given by Gabriel Castillo. And you're not going to want to miss that because it is excellent. But don't worry. This Friday, we'll actually be back live in studio. So don't go anywhere. This Friday, we will be back in studio, same time, same place. But for today and tomorrow, we will still have a pre-recorded show. So don't worry. Uh, it's all new, unique content. No uh, reruns for today. Th- this week, is not. we're not playing a best of show. It is brand new content uh, from uh, my lips and Joe's lips to God's ears and to your ears. Praise be to God. Okay, so this is how the show is going to run today. We're going to go into uh, pray, prayer memorare. We're going to go into say of the day, gospel of the day. We'll have a longer uh, gospel reflection. 
And then from there, the rest of the show for this time and then next hour will be the interview with Gabriel Castillo on Raising Catholic Families. And uh, during the next hour, we will repeat this segment in the beginning. We'll have this Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day again, as usual. And then we'll finish out whatever is left of the interview with Gabi after hours, Gabriel Castillo. And uh, that will be on True Faith TV, uh, True Faith Talks, and Gabi after hours. He has three channels. I know. Very clear. It's excellent. But well, before we, uh, without further ado, let's uh, jump into the Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. There's going to be no breaking news today, so no breaking news. The segment's uh, gone for this week. We'll be back on Friday with breaking news. And uh, next Friday, there'll be a game show. This Today, there is no game show. So no game show this week. Don't call in during the uh, during the 7 o'clock hour. Don't call in because we are not giving away a prize today. It is a pre-recorded show, so no one's here to answer the phones. But next week, starting Monday, we will again have the game show. So be ready across the Guadalupe Radio Network to uh, play the game or tune in online at Catholic, uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And uh, good morning to everybody on Station of the Cross as well, because uh, we are broadcasting across the Guadalupe Radio Network and the uh, Station of the Cross. So praise be to God. Thank you very much, Station of the Cross, for tuning in. Without further ado, uh, I keep saying that, but I keep having more uh, announcements to make. But this time, without further ado, we are going to go into the Say of the Day and Gospel of the Day uh, after we say our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgin, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And no breaking news of the day, but we will go straight into Saint of the Day. The Saint of the Day is Blessed Jordan of Pisa, OP, meaning Dominican. He was born in 1255, Blessed Jordan of Pisa. He was a Dominican friar, theologian, professor, and renowned preacher. He was the founder of the Confraternity of the Holy Redeemer at Pisa. He was a visionary, a Marian devotee, a promoter and daring innovator of the vernacular Italian language as a church language, and a tool for evangelization. He was born in Pisa, Italy, and died on the 19th of August in 1311 at Pianza of Natural Causes. He was at a time when scholars believed that no colloquial tongue could ever replace Latin as a gentleman's language. Jordan Jordan worked to make Italian the beautiful tongue that it is today. Jordan attended the University of Paris, where he first encountered the Dominican friars in 1276. Four years later, probably after obtaining his degrees, he returned to Italy and took the habit. He began a long teaching career there as soon as he was qualified to do so. He preached and taught variously at Siena, Vitorbo, and Pergoia, before eventually moving to Florence, in which area he was a widely respected preacher. Eventually being appointed by the provincial chapter at Riti as a lector in the church of Santa Maria Novella in 1305. He held that post of the, for the next three years and contributed greatly to its esteem. In 1301, he attended a general meeting of the order in Cologne, Germany. He seemed to have been fascinated with the whole question of preaching as an apostolic tool to have been one of the first to make a scientific study of it. He pointed out the Greek church was invaded by multitude of errors because the Greeks had no preachers. He could never say enough to, in praise of St. Dominic 
a farsightedness in establishing an order specifically for preaching. Jordan studied methods of making sermons more effective, both by using examples that would reach the the people and by the use of the vernacular. This latter was a much disputed subject in his day. Jordan was considered a daring innovator because it was controversial. He strove to make Italian a beautiful instrument on which he could play the melodies of the Lord. Blessed with an extraordinary memory, Jordan was renowned for his knowledge in general and knew the bravery by heart, as well as the Missal and most of the Bible, plus the second part of the Summa. This faculty of memory he used in his sermons, but he was quick to point out to young preachers that learning alone can never make a preacher. By the holiness of his own life, he made this plain and continually preached it to those who was training to preach. Jordan of Pisa had two great devotions to our Blessed Mother and to St. Dominic. He was favored with the vision of Our Lady. She came into the Father's rectory and served at table. Jordan, who was the only one who could see her, could barely eat for excitement. He spoke often of her in his sermons and also of St. Dominic. In 1311, the Master General Americus Giliani appointed him Professor of Theology at the Friary of St. James in Paris to deliver his reading of the Lombard Sentences and obtain his Master's Degree. But Jordan died on his way to Paris. His body was returned from Pianzia, where death overtook him, to rest in the church of Santa Caterni in Pisa. On the 23rd of August, 1833, Blessed Jordan's cultus was confirmed by Pope Gregory XVI, and in 1838, he was beatified by Pope Gregory XVI. Jordan studied the use of preaching for evangelization. He pioneered the use of Tuscan language for preaching and lecturing, which helped establish as the foremost among the vernaculars of Italy. His Tuscan was reputedly uh, versatile and musical, but never elaborate or innate. At Florence, he repeatedly preached five times a day, walking about both indoors and out, followed by a crowd of listeners as he developed his topic. During his lengthy sermons, his friends and disciples, Sylvester of Valdesiv, sometimes sat near the pulpit with wine to refresh him. Some of his listeners took notes that, that have survived. His preaching was said to have a positive effect on Florentine public life and morality by its emphasis on sound Thomistic doctrine, Christian living, and perseverance. When he had to say what he would have, what what he had to say would have sounded dry in Latin, but significantly, no Latin sermons by Jordan have survived. Saint, and here is the uh, a prayer for him. God of holiness, by the integrity of his life and gentle manner, you may bless Jordan a fitting minister to preach the gospel. By following his example, may we generously strive to serve you through the service to our neighbor, and so gain the fruit of everlasting reward. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Ghost, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Blessed Jordan, pray for us. The Gospel for today is Matthew chapter 20, verses 1-16. through 16. Jesus told his disciples this parable, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with, with, with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again in the round noon, and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, he found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, 
each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give the last of one last one in this to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. The gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Yes, we are looking at this passage, and oh my goodness, this passage says a lot. Uh, Often this will be used to try to justify communism, say, hey, look, Jesus here is being a communist because he's uh, giving the uh, people who only worked for an hour the same money as the people who worked all day. That's communist, right? So Jesus was a communist. No, no. It even, uh, what's what's one of the principles of communism? One of the principles of communism is you don't own anything yourself. Yet, what does our Lord say here in the parable? He says, am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? So what is the money? What is it symbolic of? Because we know that this is a parable, so these are symbols. What does the money symbolize? The money symbolizes the grace that God gives us. This is the place in heaven. Think about it this way. For those who convert on their deathbed, I'm thinking of like a Constantine. Constantine was baptized on his deathbed. And in the Eastern Church, he's venerated as a saint. Constantine received baptism on his deathbed, and then he died and presumably went straight to heaven. Well, some people will say, that's not fair. I was baptized as a child. And because of that, I lived the tenets of the faith. I followed the commandments. I worked in the vineyard. I worked in the vineyard for a long time, all day. And it was a huge burden. It says, quote, we bore the day's burden and the heat. And yes, yes, it's true. Some of us, I'm a cradle Catholic. I'm sure most of you are cradle Catholics. Yes, we were born into the faith. And what a grace it is to suffer for our Lord. What a grace it is to do the work of God. But our Lord is generous with the grace that he gives. Our Lord is merciful. He desires that all men be saved. And it is our duty, those who came early, to go and evangelize. It is our duty as the ones that he called earlier to bring into the sheepfold to say, hey, the master of this house, he is generous. If you but work one hour for him, he will give you a day's wage. What a grace, because our Lord is not required to give us anything. Our Lord is not required to bestow upon us the grace of eternal life. Instead, we only earn eternal damnation, but out of the grace and mercy of our Lord, he desires that all men be saved. And because of that, in his infinite mercy, he gives those who come and work in the last hour a day's wage whenever those who worked all day also received a day's wage. Now, this doesn't mean that everyone is equal in heaven. This does not mean that everyone is a, it's a egalitarian society in heaven. It's a communist state in heaven. No, far from it. For to whom much is given, much is expected. To whom much is given, more will be given. We see that in the, in the parable of talents. All the parables need to be looked at in tandem. 
there's different truths that our Lord is trying to get out and different parables. And everything our Lord says is true, good, and beautiful because he is Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank veriboom.com forward slash CDT for allowing us to talk about the scriptures in this way, to be able to open up the scriptures and discuss them with you, our listener, veriboom.com forward slash CDT. All right, we're about to go to a break. And after this break, we're going to jump into our interview with Gabi After Hours on Catholic parenting. How do you parent as a Catholic? What's the strategy here? How do I punish? How do I reward? Uh, How do I take them to Mass in adoration? Get them to play the rosary? So much uh, coming up right after this break. So don't go anywhere. Gabi After Hours right after this break. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. She's the perfect example of the perfect disciple. And she's a mediatrix of all grace. Everything you want for your children, holiness, happiness, peace, joy, comfort, all these things you want for your children, that grace is going to come through the hands of Mary. Yes, you can ask God for it, but the quickest, shortest, easiest, sweetest, best method is to ask of it of Our Lady. And you need to be praying the rosary. In addition to the family rosary, you need to be praying the rosary on your own to provide you for the grace. So one of Our Lady's roles is to crush the head of the serpent. As parents, the devil's going to try to get to us to be lax, to be to overlook some of these faults. But if you're praying the rosary regularly, Our Lady, whose job it is to be a good mother, Our Lady, whose job it is to keep the serpent from you and from her, your family, because remember, these children are her children also, she, through the rosary, she will inspire you on how to raise your children. She'll give you insights and intuitions on what you need to do. But you have to stop and you have to pray the rosary. I know that it's difficult, but in that difficulty, you will find great grace. And as Adrian was saying, we, we often think it's such a humble little prayer, 
But that the virtue of humility is the mother of all the virtues. St. John Vianney said, the rosary is, is a collection of beads that's held together by a string. That string is the virtue of humility. Without the string, without humility, all the beads are scattered. So praying the rosary reminds you, I am a child. I cannot do this on my own. I need the help of God. And Our Lady, being a good mother, will put the life of Jesus Christ into their minds. Many of my high school teenagers, they come from families that are predominantly Hispanic, cultures where the rosary was honored and cherished. And now these teenagers don't know who Jesus is. They don't know who Mary is. They don't know the life of Jesus Christ. But Our Lady knows that this is not only a prayer. It's also an education in the life of Christ. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. Uh, moving on to the E. Yes. Uh, let's the say most that. important. And this one, I I think, but right off the bat, relating back to the adoration and confession, um, one thing that I remember is, you know, we talk about the Eucharist. E stands for Eucharist. Mm-hmm. We talk about the Eucharist, and whenever we receive the Eucharist, uh, they say, "Do not receive the Eucharist if you're in a state of mortal sin." Right. So this relates back to going to confession. Yes. And also, um, you mentioned the point of don't pester your children about what did you do whenever right. you uh, I need to go to confession. I would also say the same thing. If your child abstains from receiving the yes. Eucharist, if you're raising them right, then that should be a good sign, yes. not a bad one. Yes, and every once in a while, if you notice your child has, has been struggling to receive Holy Communion, and so E again stands for Eucharist, that you just, all you need to do is make sure that they know a good examination of conscience just to check, because maybe they think that something's a mortal sin that maybe is not. Mm-hmm. But don't ask, what are you doing? Why aren't you receiving? Don't do that. Don't do that at all. So let me just review for you. Care, confession, adoration, rosary, Eucharist. The Eucharist is the source and the summit of the Catholic faith. It should be what our eyes are looking towards. All the rosaries, all the Marian devotion should be directed at a more perfect union for Jesus Christ. And so by going to confession, they will make worthy and holy Eucharistic receptions. If your child is receiving Holy Communion in the state of mortal sin, that's a sacrilege. And what we often forget, there's a great teaching by St. Teresa of Avila. When you commit the sin of sacrilege, you risk losing not only your eternal life, but the heart becomes harder and the theological virtue of faith is removed. So your child will lose faith in the real presence of Jesus Christ if they continually receive Holy Communion in the state of mortal sin. The soul itself is rejecting God when it commits the sin, but now they're rejecting God like Judas in the garden. They're kissing him and they're denying who he really is. Very, very dangerous. So how should we receive Holy Communion? In the state of grace, yes, 100% always, but also with great, great reverence. A lot of times we say, why doesn't anybody believe in Jesus and the real presence in the Eucharist? Well, a lot of times the reception of Holy Communion is not done with great reverence. So I say, oh, Joseph, Jesus is really present in the Eucharist, but then I treat him like if he's just a piece of bread. I arrive for Mass late. I don't dress for Mass as if it's something special. I don't go out of my way to receive Holy Communion any other days during the week. So my advice to you, if you want your children to have a deep Eucharistic faith, You do do confession, adoration, rosary, because adoration is a prolongation of the Holy Mass. So receive Holy Communion, kneeling and on the tongue. This says with the language of your body to your own self, this is God. This is the creator of the universe. He looks like a piece of bread. My human eyes and my intellect are not on the same wavelength. I have to subordinate my body. I should stick out my tongue. Why? Because all of these actions are saying, This isn't ordinary bread. 
This is the bread that has come down from heaven who's really, truly, substantially present in the most holy Eucharist. This is the most sacred moment. If you notice, when you walk into a church, it's customary to genuflect to the tabernacle. During exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, it's customary to kneel on two knees. During the consecration, it's customary to kneel on two knees. Sacred moments, no doubt about it. The most sacred moment in your life is the reception of most holy communion. I encourage you to kneel for Jesus in the Eucharist. And when you do, again, remember the virtue of humility. When you kneel and you put yourself physically in a proper relationship with God, God is above you, your soul is so well-ordered, you're more disposed to hear the voice of God clearly. What else can you do? Stay after Mass and make a good Thanksgiving. At least 10 minutes, 5 to 10 minutes, even any prayer— Instead of just marching out of the church, say some prayer of thanksgiving after Holy Communion. Also, in addition to that, strive, 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 strive to receive Holy Communion in addition to Sunday. Some of us, we work in a church. I work in a church. I have no excuse not to go to Mass every single day. And sometimes I don't want to. But when you don't want to, you do it anyways, because that's what love is. Love is persevering in action, even when your emotions are saying, I don't want to. It's a subordination of the emotions. It's an act of the will. So confession, adoration, rosary, Eucharist. And this does not guarantee that your kids are going to go to heaven. This does not guarantee that they're going to be saints. This does not guarantee that they're going to live the faith. But this guarantees one thing for you, and that's peace of soul. And another great consolation concerning Our Lady, all the doctors of the church, they'll say this unanimously, a true child of Mary shall never be lost. So let's say your child goes off to college and is corrupted by the world and is seduced by the devil through his minions in the media or whatever else. You've made sure that at the hour of their death, they have said thousands of times, Mary, pray for me now and at the hour of my death. The prayers of Our Lady. There's been so many souls saved, saved because of Our Lady that did not belong to go to heaven. There's many anecdotes of the saints saying, Jesus saying, well, this person does not merit heaven. And then St. Peter saying things along the lines of, yes, but Our Lady got them in. So that's the greatest gift you can give is Jesus in the Most Holy Eucharist, Jesus in confession, Jesus in adoration, and the very gift of his mother to us at the foot of the cross. So that's my advice. You know, uh, one thing that I wanted to want you to to expand upon yes. real quickly is the idea of reverence and the Eucharist and uh, in regards to Mass as well. Yes. I have a number of friends who were going to parishes where there was a lack of reverence yes. in the Mass. There was a kind of things that were going on at yes. the liturgy that just was yes. not appropriate. And when they had kids, they realized, oh my goodness, my kids are going to be absorbing this when they're going to church. And so they switched parishes to find yes. a parish with more reverence. Can you speak yes. about the importance Do of this that. for kids? Do that. Actions speak louder than words. If dad says, I love mom, but the kids see dad acting in ways that don't show love for mom, the same effect happens, if not worse, when we say, that's really Jesus, and the children see the father, the spiritual father, the priest, not acting reverent. A lot of times, traditional people, they get accused, and there's some rude ones, they get accused of not accepting Vatican II, etc., etc. My personal observation is that ones who reject Vatican II are actually those who offer the new Mass. It's not in continuity. So the, the old Mass, did, it's a beautiful liturgy. I love it. I attend it as frequently as possible. But what it served to do for those who did not attend 
the traditional Latin Mass. It served as a reminder of the organic growth of the liturgy. And so the new Mass, in its reverence, should model the old Mass in reverence, in adoration, in kneeling for communion, in being Eucharistic-centered, in being vertical worship. We should be able to walk into a church, says St. Maximilian Kolbe, and kneel before the Blessed Sacrament, and a, a foreigner should be able to walk in and say, those people are worshiping that little white circle. Mm -hmm. He didn't say those exact words, but that's basically the sentiment that he gave. Uh, you can find Gabriel Castillo if you want to hear, because we talked, we hit on a number of topics, and there are videos on almost everything that we talked about today. Mm -hmm. um, I, have, so. I have an important announcement to make, Mr. Fonseca. We forgot to mention this. I am offering a free parish mission, a free parish mission to any parish in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, during the month of October for a one-night parish mission on the power and the hidden power of the Most Holy Rosary. If you want to hear more about Our Lady, you want to hear more about the Most Holy Rosary, invite me over. You can email me, gabriel at sugarlandcatholic.com. Free, no catch. I'm already booked at several parishes the month of October in honor of Our Lady. I will offer a free one-night mission, and after that we'll pray the rosary in a manner we kind of discussed today. So all, you, all I need is an invitation from your pastor. I'll come over. Praise be to Jesus Christ. And if you are outside of Galveston, Houston, then I check out his three channels, Gabi After Hours, True Faith Talks, and True Faith TV. And check out those channels because, I mean, we talked about reverence in the liturgy and things that we can incorporate that are from the in continuity with the old mass. Uh, so he has a video on that. He has a video on raising Catholic children, taking kids to adoration, taking kids to mass. All these things. I'm a, broke, I'm a broken videos. record. That's all I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and there's about 200 videos on the rosary. So if you yes. need to uh, be all these things. Oh, and another one on spiritual readings yes. as well, which I'm in that one. So you can yes, check that out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, absolutely. Thank you, Gabriel Castillo, for being on. Please check out these channels, Gabi After Hours, True Faith TV, and True Faith Talks for uh, all these talks that we talked about today to get more in detail. And if you're in the Archdiocese of the Galveston, Houston, reach out to Gabriel. What was your email? Gabriel at SugarlandCatholic.com. Awesome. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Mr. Castillo. Thank you for having me. God bless you. And that'll do it for today. That was a pre-recorded interview with Gabi After Hours, Gabriel Castillo. And if you want to see see that interview in its entirety, we'll have that up in the next week or so uh, up on our YouTube channel. Uh, but thank you for joining us today. God bless you. God love you. We'll be back tomorrow with another pre-recorded show. So you're not going to miss this. It's Awake, Not Woke with Noel Marin. And so you're not going to want to miss this interview. It's excellent interview on the uh, awake, not woke, the woke culture and how to combat it. Where's the intellectual roots of it? It was a great conversation. You're not going to want to miss. God love you. God bless you. And see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.